Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Z Prime on the Grid, our beloved energy podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Lockwood. Joining me are my co-hosts, uh, Christine and Aaron. Christine, how are you today? I'm doing well, Dylan. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. We're recording this on a Monday. We usually record it on a Friday or like a Thursday. So instead of having end of week afternoon loopiness, I've got beginning of week mm. December loopiness. Which do you prefer? Or do we have uh, to wait till we get through the podcast to see? Well, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens at the end. Although okay. I will say normally when we're done recording a podcast, I'm like I I slap my hands like like another job well done and then I can go on to my uh weekend. This time I've gonna have to do all the gonna have to do all the editing and stuff in time in a timely fashion. I'll have to actually like do my job or something. Anyway, sounds, uh, sounds rough. <laughs> I know, right? We've also got Aaron here on the show. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm doing pretty well, Dylan. Um you mentioned Monday loopiness as well as December loopiness, and I guess mm. I have that, but I think I have more of December laziness. I'm just going to refer to it as holiday cheer. Um, <laughs> but I actually got busted by Christine. I posted a few pictures on my Instagram of things that I've done this year that were work-related, and I jokingly made the caption, I say, we all take December off. Who's with me? Uh, and then I remembered that Christine, my boss, follows me on Instagram, so she decided to tell me that that was not allowed. So thank you, Christine, <laughs> for ruining my holiday cheer on Instagram. I was just trying to do some market research, really, on the productivity of millennials uh, during December. Yeah, I was expecting a report on, on Friday about that. Well, um, I, I didn't I, see one. I think that my inability to produce the report really speaks to the research that I've found, which is that millennials are not particularly productive during December. Yeah, there's a fine line between holiday cheer and seasonal depression. <laughs> <laughs> but at least we got eggnog. That's true, Dylan. Yeah. We're going to be doing something a little bit different today since we're approaching the end of the year. We're going to be doing what many people do and do a sort of retrospective, an introspective and outrospective retrospective on the year in energy. I'll explain what that means. Our next episode would have been during Christmas week, but since we want to give everyone a break from our voices and give our voices a break from everyone, uh, we're not going to be putting one out. The, the next episode is going to be coming out in January. I want to start with energy. Christine, you've traveled across the country this year speaking with energy professionals of all ages from all walks of life and all levels of the hierarchy. So speaking to people, what major trends have you noticed? What would you say is maybe the biggest trend that's taken off in 2017? Well, Dylan, I, I think some of the biggest things that we've seen um, I mean, certainly there's a lot of excitement around different technologies. So things like uh, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, Internet of Things. But a conversation that's really come out to me is around the role of 
of utilities, you know, as we look to this new energy future. Um, and I think it also ties into more broadly the whole smart cities movement. You know, what role uh, do utilities exactly play in all of this? You know, what sort of uh, partnerships are are needed? Uh, for example, last week I was in Chicago at an advanced energy group meeting, and that conversation was really focused around transit and and mobility. And it was pretty cool to see utilities in the room, you know, talking with people from um, you know the Chicago Transit Authority and people who are developing electric buses, and really seeing that conversation come through of hey, you know, what role can utilities play? Um, so I think that's that's been really exciting to see this year, just seeing um, utilities really starting to step out and and start to work with some of their their you know key partners in in communities to to drive some of these efforts forward. So expanding a little bit on that, um, you know, you said people are. Utilities are taking initiatives with smart city programs. Uh, based on research we've done and who you've talked to, how how is that coming along? How or is everything still in the development stages? Are there any promising projects out there right now you've noticed? I think what we've seen in our research is that utilities have actually been participating in smart cities efforts. They may have just not realized it. So, um, you know, utilities have for the past several years been investing in things like um, AMI meters, uh, deploying more smart sensors at their distribution networks. Uh, but a lot of times they see that as a separate effort that that happens within their their utility. And it's really, I think, just about changing the perspective that, hey, you know, these things and investments that utilities are making really do contribute to broader smart city efforts and just getting that conversation going among, um, you know, all the different participants who would drive smart city efforts forward. Uh, I know, Aaron, you had, we were talking about it the other week around communication networks, you know, who owns those? What's the role of, um, you know, people in driving communication networks forward for smart cities? And, you know, utilities actually have a lot of great communication networks that they've been putting in place. And so they could certainly play a role in that. Um, so I think it's just, you know, a lot of questions around, um, you know, who kind of does what um, as as we move forward. Yeah, Christine, I, I definitely agree with you. I think a lot of the talk um, around smart cities at the beginning of this year was, um, you know, what exact, what is the smart city? You know, what needs to happen for us to create a smart city? And once that has, that was really established, now the conversation has transformed into okay well we think we know it needs to happen but yeah who does what exactly and how do we start uh to piece that puzzle together um so that we can start creating the smart city strategies um that involve um everybody they need to involve and that those involved are doing uh what they need to do um to eventually achieve the smart city of the future. But yeah, I think that we've witnessed um, kind of that transition of the conversation from what to who does what. And I think that definition of what it is, is, is always going to evolve. I mean, I feel like people have a better, better idea around what it is, but I think we saw for several years with, you know, the term smart grid, you know, initially that meant, okay, you know, we're just, we're making investments in, in AMI meters and, and, and an AMI infrastructure. And then it started to include, you know, smarter sensors. And then, you know, kind of moved into the home with, um, 
you know, home automation uh, networks, energy management systems, things like that. And now, and I think it's moved beyond this point of just putting intelligence out there to actually, you know, looking at the broader grid, distributed energy, um, you know, all these these different resources that are going into place where the the term smart grid doesn't even necessarily make sense anymore, really capture that idea. So, I mean, I think we'll continue to see that with with smart cities, as people get a better idea of it, you know, as they start to progress towards that, that vision, um, as people learn more, I think that vision is going to continue to change. So I guess what you're saying is, is that the idea of a smart city, a smart city is not a singular thing. It's not a product and it's not even a specific goal as much as it's just uh, an idea or maybe even it's just the name of an inevitable trend that's happening as people update their hardware and software. Yeah. And I think, you know, eventually a smart city will just be the city, right? Um, you know, these things that we talk about now as, as being innovative and different, and we need to head in this direction, you know, soon it will just become commonplace and the infrastructure that people are putting in, you know, will be this intelligent infrastructure. Uh, so so yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely, it's this vision to kind of, I think, prod people and, and sort of nudge them, um, you know, to start thinking about what's, what's next and, and starting to move in that direction. So Aaron, over the course of the year, what significant trends have you noticed in the energy industry? Well, Dylan, there's definitely been, you know, focus around cybersecurity this year. Um, we started to see, well, I guess, I guess backtrack. So personally, um, Back in January of this year, I was at Distribute Tech, um, and Christine and I actually participated in these small one-on-one -on -one interviews that we did um, on like the DTech Expo floor um, with a few people, and we called them chatbacks. We partnered with Omnetric to do them. We called them the Omnetric chatbacks at at Distribute Tech. Um, and Christine actually, <laughs> I have notes from one of Christine's interviews. Christine interviewed. Um, this guy, James Boston at CPS, and he was talking about, you know, DER challenges um, and just the, dis the distribution of information to distributed information. And the more distributed the grid has become uh, throughout the year, the more focus there has been um, on cybersecurity. Um, so, yeah, I think those two things, you know, go hand in hand. Um, but really seeing that focus on um, remote control of the grid, um, distributed intelligence on the grid, and then the role that cybersecurity um, plays in this digitalization of the grid is definitely a big theme uh, that I've seen throughout the year. Yeah, I, I, and jumping off from that, because um, I agree, I mean, part of it is the one, the one panel that I actually moderated this year was on cybersecurity, but uh, one trend that has definitely been has definitely been pushed this year. We talked about it with uh, Jason Rodriguez on one of our podcasts: is uh, co the commoditization of data. The fact that uh, data is you know gathered from these smart devices and then packaged and sold to people who can who can use it, and it's it's becoming more it's becoming more and more commonplace, and that that invites questions 
about cybersecurity, especially with think the thing, especially with the big hackings this year with uh, Equifax and Sony, and I'm sure there was I'm sure there were more. Well, those are the those are the two big ones I remember from this year. Um, so yeah, I, I think that with the with all these new technologies, we're we're right now in a period of of exploration of what we can do with it, but we're also trying to worry about the mitigating factors. I think that I think I think 2018. I mean, this is just a this is a shot in the dark prediction, but I think 2018 is going to be the year when when um, the ramifications of this emerge of, of all these emerging technologies really seriously start to be considered. Oh yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there, Dylan. I mean, the more data we collect, or I guess the more data the utility energy industry collects, I guess the more um, we're faced with this challenge of, okay, what do we actually do with all of this? Because we started collecting data from disparate sources, different sensors on the grid, and now we're starting to be faced with the challenge of, I have almost too much data, and I don't really know what to do with it. We're actually doing some research on this right now. for CNI customers and how um, they're driving energy efficiency and sustainability uh, goals within their organizations. Um, And they primarily said that they're gathering data to improve their current strategies, Um, but they're gathering a lot of useful data um, that can actually be used to probably transform the way big CNI um, customers move forward with their energy efficiency and sustainability strategy. So I think there's, yeah, there's this big question around, all right, we have all this data now, what exactly do we do with it? How do we aggregate it and analyze it in a way that's really actually beneficial um, and driving changes within both utilities and um, CNI customers and even, and even residential customers as well? So this goes back to what you guys were talking about earlier about who owns what, especially when it comes to commoditization of data um you know a lot of customers aren't aware of who is of what data of theirs is being collected who owned who owns it in a legal sense who's trading money for the data who has access to it and you know the there might start to be questions either from utilities about about whether or not they need to educate their customer base before any backlash pops up or potentially some type of legislative question about making sure that these kind of transactions are all transparent and secure. What do you think about that, Christine? I mean, I think it's always been a question, at least as uh, you know, people have started to share more data. You know, things have become more digital. I mean, I think it's something that it's you know, it's not it's not going to get resolved next year or a year from that. I mean, it's going to be an ongoing, ongoing piece. I always have a question around how much consumers will, you know, engage or or be aware. You know, I think we've seen within energy, you know, we have a lot of talk around customer engagement and, you know, utilities still do struggle to get customers involved with what's going on, you know, and really think about their, their energy consumption um, and, and what they're doing. So, I mean, I think these things, you know, they've, they've been around and I think it will take 
you know, a long time for them to, to play out and, you know, potentially even, you know, more federal or state level actions will, will probably come out of these, these incidences we've seen where, you know, there's more focus around the consumer protection piece and, and, and what we do. I think uh, one thing that will, you know, drastically influence that is the partnerships that utilities choose to make um, with their technology providers. So I was at um, IEEE, I think it was the general meeting council, or I was at an IEEE event (laughs) earlier this year, um, and I actually watched a presentation by an ITRON Innovation Lab employee, and as well as um, someone at SDG&E, actually Sheldon Glady at SDG&E, um, because SDG&E and ITRON Innovation Labs have partnered together. And I'm not I'm not entirely sure of the particulars of their relationship, um, so I may get something wrong here, but essentially SDG&E is sending certain types of data, um, I think some like water data as well as energy efficiency data. Um, so they take that from their customers and send it over to ITRON um, Innovation Labs. Um, and then ITRON Innovation Labs and, and SDG&E, they, they use that data together to create customer efficiencies and programs and services. Um, so that's just one example of, you know, maybe the SDG&E, SDG&E customers don't know that their data is also being shared with ITRON. Um, but in return, they are getting um, that innovation, the the improved service that comes from sharing that data. Now, if they know that the data is being shared, um, are they going to stop doing that? And then in return, it stagnates innovation. And so then I, I think, you know, we get into a lot of bigger conversations around um, what exactly happens if consumers don't want to share their data. Um, but definitely something um, I think that will come to light more this year. What are the particulars of these um, relationships, the partnerships between public and private entities? And really, how does the customer uh, fit into that? I mean, I feel like, you know, at our started ETS event, one of the startups there, um, you know, pitched their their pilot project idea. And a part of their business model was, you know, ultimately being able to sell sell the data that they were they were collecting, um, and I think that's. I mean, it seems like it's it's becoming, um, you know, more of a strategy for a lot of companies. Is that okay? Well, you're collecting all this data, you know, through these different things that you're doing, and you know, that data not only has value for your organization, but you know, for other organizations as as well. So um, it seems to be something that that organizations are putting into their you know, strategies of how they're going to make money. Is you know, a piece of it is is being able to share that data that they're collecting. And another piece of that, Christine, that we've talked about before, I think we've addressed it on the podcast, is how, you know, how are organizations, particularly utilities, um, addressing what to do with the data? Are they going to a third-party entity who's a a technology expert and saying, hey, partner with me, let's create some innovative products and services? Or are they taking the step to create that separate innovation branch within their utility um, to figure out, you know, what to do with that data. So we're seeing utilities kind of take different approaches uh, to this. Yeah, I think um, at the Chicago event I was at last week, I was chatting with someone about, 
you know, utilities and all the different work that they're doing and, you know, partnerships around, in that case, transportation and mobility. And we started talking about utilities and how they're really, you know, a lot of them are starting to develop these different unregulated branches of their organizations where they could, you know, invest in in some of these, um, you know, different approaches that may not be a part of of, of the traditional utility um, and the utilities business model. So I definitely think that's something we're going to see a lot more of because utilities, you know, are trying to stay competitive in terms of innovation and and really driving change forward. So I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of utilities starting to, you know, make investments in more uh, essentially unregulated parts of of their their business um, to really try to grow that that as well. Keeping on with our retrospective theme, way back when we launched this podcast in September, the first topic we talked about was uh, the power of local, how innovation in the energy space is driven at a local level. And we've talked about that throughout other podcasts um, in regards to things like startups. We've talked about startups a couple of times and you know, consumer-facing practices. What have you seen from a local level, especially in Austin, which is a big startup city, big in, in energy right now? What What have you seen at a local level that's really changing the industry? What seeds have you seen planted this year? Yeah, we did talk about this at the beginning of the year. And um, Austin, uh, our local utility, Austin Energy, is very innovative. I'm definitely blessed to live in the service territory of a utility um, that is definitely embracing um, this change that's overcoming uh, the industry. Austin Energy just, I think, received an award um, for the launch of Electric Drive, which is um, a portion of downtown Austin that has DC fast chargers. And then there's just like outlet, like charging outlets for the community and the benches. So that that's just one instance of the local community, local influence on the utility and then the utility responding to what the community wants. But Austin aside, I think the bigger focus on the power of local this year uh, can really be addressed by the significant um, like weather disasters we've had this year, right? So like Puerto Rico, um, and then we had Hurricane Harvey, um, and then Florida got hit. Uh, and now we have the, wa- the fires over in Los Angeles, and it's really highlighting the need for different reliability solutions on different areas of the grid. Because if we think of like weather, if we think of outage prediction and we only apply it um, to like rainwater and, and snow and storms like that, um, that's not necessarily going to help the people in California who are trying to do outage prediction um, for for wildfires. For wildfires, so I think that this all these weather-related catastrophes has actually highlighted um, the need for local action to make sure that you know the part of the grid or where you live and the solutions on the grid um, help your community um, when your community needs to be helped by the grid. I think that's a, probably a better way to tie in the power of local. Uh, to the energy sector this year? For me, at the beginning of 2017, I mean, there were a lot of questions of what was going to happen at the federal level. I mean, you know, how would this new administration, um, you know, impact a lot of things that people in the energy industry have been have been pushing for, um, you know, more sustainable energy, 
uh, more localized energy. And, you know, people were, were definitely uncertain around that. And I think, you know, now as with 2017 coming to a close, it's it's been really exciting to see this this power of local really, really grow. You know, I was in Chicago last week. I, I was not a part of this event, but I mean, there was an event there that um, you know, essentially a bunch of mayors and and people from local communities really got together and said, hey, you know, what are we going to do around climate change and sustainability? Let's figure out how we're going to take action. You've seen efforts in cities that are not necessarily in, you know, places like California, where you'd expect, you know, a lot of change around sustainability to, to really be happening. So um, I thought it was pretty cool when Meeting of the Minds had their event in in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, you know, around some microgrid efforts that are going on there. Um, you see Columbus, Ohio, you know, winning the the smart city uh, challenge and and really focusing on transportation. And I thought it was it was very cool there. Um, you know, how they're focusing on you know energy, transportation, not only for sustainability, but you know, helping um, improve people's economic situations and you know health things like that. So uh, it, it's been pretty cool to see people really starting to focus in on, okay, what can we do at the local level within 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 our communities? And and how can we address some of these bigger challenges that are going on, you know, nationally and 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 globally as well? This has been a pretty big year, I think, for pretty much everybody. We've had major disasters all, uh, all over the world. We've had a changing culture, a changing climate, and a changing energy landscape. But change doesn't always have to happen on these massive scales. Change, you know, change happens in our homes and in our in, in our own lives. So, in that spirit and in the holiday spirit of sharing, I'm interested in how this year has been for you as a professional. We'll start with Erin since she's new to the industry, like I am. And so, Erin, uh, I'm interested how how is this year uh, one of the formative years of your career? Well, I think it was just that, Dylan. One of probably the baseline formative year uh, for what I expect to be a career uh, in the energy industry. It's been absolutely amazing. Um, definitely more um, rewarding and uh, I guess beneficial to myself um, and, and hopefully to others than I ever could have expected it to be. I've learned so much this year. First research paper um, I started working on was around, I think the full research paper was around customer engagement um, system, software as a service, as a solution for a customer engagement system. Um, and then throughout the year, I've worked on papers um, around types of communication networks for utilities, um, DER integration into operations, how DERs and how they can affect customers. We've worked on papers around the connected home. We've worked on papers uh, around rugged devices. So I have just really been immersed in a lot of different aspects of the industry this year. And now um, with this trend of smart cities and this overall strategy to work towards a smart city, I'm starting to see why all of these different aspects um, need to work together with each other um, so that we can start creating smart city strategies or, or whatever you are using all this information for. Why, just pretty much why every piece of the puzzle is so important. So really building that, you know, 
base layer of information. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to next year and building on um, that primary base layer of information uh, that, I, that I've gathered this year. So looking back, I, I, like, I would definitely say I've learned a lot and um, I've definitely realized the complexities um, of this industry, but I'm certainly um, excited to be in energy. I saw an interview um, that Bill Gates did because um, I love Bill Gates. Christine knows this. Um, and he said that if he were starting out um, his professional career right now, um, if he wanted to do something that actually made a difference or was impactful, um, he would get into the industries of um, artificial intelligence, energy, and I think it was something around bi biomedical engineering or something something like that. But I'm just happy that um, you know energy fell into the top three because I, I agree with him. I think that what the energy in industry is doing right now is definitely going to be transformational um, in terms of the way we live our lives in the next next few years. Bill Gates, if you're listening, Aaron's a big fan. You should come on the podcast. All right. So, Christine, uh, you've been around a bit longer, or as Aaron would say, forever. <laughs> how, what, Aaron's, how was... Aaron's the one who is supposed to make fun of me, not not you, Dylan. That's I was I'm making about. fun of Aaron making fun of you. I know, oh. Christine, I have actually outsourced that. I'm, I'm outsourcing <laughs> now. I'm growing into a leadership role um, where I'm delegating... <laughs> Making fun of Christine duties to others, you prime employees. So people are uh, doing in, insults as a service. <laughs> yes, yes. You, you hadn't heard of the I the ISS model, <laughs> Christine. That's a good on. podcast title: insults as a service. <gasps> maybe not a good. Maybe not a good. Uh, maybe not good for a nice ho holiday sentiment, but it is funny. Or or it could be a good you know shake up panel at at ETS where we just get you know our, our top five people and ask them to make fun of each other if if any of our listeners would like to be on a panel at ets where you and four friends colleagues or maybe enemies um want to be on a panel together you guys just insult each other for fun that uh, let us know the ets roast of jackie region <laughs> the ets roast of christine richards yeah there was there was a question i was gonna ask it's somewhere in there so christine uh, how was this year for you? Overall, it was it was really good. I mean, I think um, it's been a lot of fun for me on a professional level, even though uh, you guys make fun of me a lot. Um, it's been great to watch you guys grow and and learn a lot more about the industry um, and and really get excited about energy. I mean, I, I live in a world where uh, you know most of the people in my life they they don't know that much about energy and if i try to talk to them about it they don't get that excited about it um but it's nice to have some young people around who actually have interest in it and want to learn more about it so uh that's definitely been a lot of fun um i've also learned that i i really enjoy post it notes and i mean i think the the broader piece around the post it notes is uh i've realized that Everyone has ideas, you know, everyone out there has ideas around the direction that the industry can go in. Um, a lot of times in the work that we do, you know, we're interviewing people who are the heads of, of massive utility companies. Um, but I've learned that 
you know, everyone in our audience has ideas. Um, everyone we meet with has suggestions. And to really get where we want to go with with energy and, and more broadly smarter cities, you know, we need to have as many participants as possible. And I've found like post-it notes to be this great equalizer in the sense of, you know, everyone gets a post-it note, everyone can put their ideas out there. Um, and we really get to see what comes together. So I think for me, you know, the post-it notes are kind of symbolic, I guess, of of something that I've really enjoyed this year of, of just facilitating these deeper conversations and really trying to bring everyone in, into the discussion around where does energy need to do, go next and, and how do we get there? Well, Dylan, I mean, you've also had to learn a lot. Like you've put out some content pieces. Um, what, what have you learned this year? Pretty much everything. Um, not, not like I've learned all there is to learn as much as everything I know I learned this year. This is like, like I'm how going... to drink coffee. No. Uh-huh. Here we go, Christine. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Continue. Dylan. I was like, do not get me started on coffee again. I've, you know, I've been with Z Prime since January 2016 in a variety of, in a variety of writing roles, just, you know, helping write this, do a press release, uh, maybe uh, just a recap of it, of some research here and there. But this year, you know, I started doing all the online content, trying to help manage that. And just in the process of doing that, doing research for articles, talking with guests on the podcast, uh, and going to events, you know, uh, nominally to live tweet them, but I, I've learned a lot about energy, and I didn't think I did because I was, you know, reading articles written by Christine or by Jason that were really in depth, and I was like, I'm not really getting it. But you know, I found, especially over the Thanksgiving break, when I had friends asking about what I did, and we were having discussions about energy over over drinks because that's how fun we are you know i was able to explain things that i didn't think i would be able would have been able to explain uh a year ago about how our lights work so just you know in a general raw knowledge sort of thing it's been astronomical but also just in terms of you know life experience it's been it's been completely invaluable um I've, you know, I've learned how to write at a professional level, how to, and how to work in a, work in an extended office. It's been a, re- and it's been a real treat to not only gain these life lessons, but get to work with cool people like the Z Prime staff and like my co-hosts, Aaron and Christine, as well as, as well as meet some really cool uh, industry professionals in doing this podcast. It's, Honestly, doing this podcast is my favorite part of my job, and it's and I'm really glad for the opportunity to do it. Isn't it crazy that like base level of information that you get, and then all of a sudden you're talking to your friends, and you're like, "Whoa, I know, I know a lot more than I realized I did," especially when it comes to energy. Because then, or at least for me, and that it may happen to you, you really start to think about like wow, people don't realize how relevant energy is in in their daily lives and how much they use it and how much they really expect it to be there without 
thinking about it. I think that's definitely an eye-opening experience I've had this year from taking what I've learned professionally and having it come up in, you know, social conversations. I learned that I know a lot more than I than I thought I knew. So I, I I understand what you mean by that. It, it's been it's been really fun for me at least. You're completely right. I mean, I remember the moment when I when I finished when I finished explaining basically uh, what the different types of generation are and how a turbine works, and then I was like, "Whoa, I actually know this stuff." How a utility is structured because a lot of people don't know. I mean, a lot of people don't know what a utility does. They don't know how it's structured. They just know that they have to pay a pay a bill every month. I think the one moment where I had that realization or just that I was being um, a nerd, an energy nerd was I was talking to one of my friends and I was at a, like a party for the Conor McGregor um, Floyd Mayweather fight. Y'all remember that? Yeah, <laughs> um, I remember that. I was at a, a party there and my friend was talking about how he, um, his roommates were back at his house and he was messing with one of his roommates turning off turning on and off the living room lamp light using his Apple watch. So he, it's like that commercial. I, I think I talked about it in the podcast. We had Jared, Jared Hugh, you know, remote controlling devices in your home. And so he was messing with his roommate and I was like, well, I mean, who do you think has that information that you're turning off your lamp light? Do you think your utility knows that you're turning off? And he was like, what are you talking about? Like, why, why are you thinking about that right now? But it was just something uh, that <laughs> immediately came to mind um, after working in the industry for about uh, a year now. So I've definitely <laughs> had that realization um, that I think I'm becoming kind of an energy nerd like like Christine is. Um, and it, it was kind of scary, but definitely exciting at the same time. <laughs> I think the biggest thing I've taken away from my time in energy this year to steal a line from someone this year, I'm sorry to whoever I'm stealing this from because I can't remember your name. Energy is one of the most complicated products to supply, but one of the easiest products to consume. So the amount of baseline knowledge that a customer really should have about energy, they don't actually need to have because to consume energy, you just plug something in or turn a switch on. You guys make me so proud. You're growing up so quickly. Um, I feel like some parents, you know, they, they mark things like when their kid first walks or when he sits up or something like that. And, you know, being your boss, it's like, I'm, I'm tracking, oh, well, when was the first time Dylan was able to talk about a turban confidently? Or <laughs> what about when Erin realized, you know, that she, she knew a lot about energy and could talk to her friends about it confidently? Um, so that, that's pretty cool to see now, since you guys are such energy experts, I mean, a question I have for you now is what should we keep an eye out for in 2018? What do you think is going to happen next year? Well, I, I did read our CEO's, um, 2018, uh, prediction. It was around cybersecurity, but I, I mentioned cybersecurity as the trend that I saw the most this year. So I feel like um, this is the appropriate path for me to take for this question. Um, but the emergence of the chief information security officer, um, I, 
I think I met a few towards the end of 2017, but I, I definitely think that's something um, we'll be on the lookout for um, in terms of organizational changes uh, within utilities, seeing that emergence of um, cybersecurity, somebody really taking on um, cybersecurity as their main focus. Uh, I, I think that's one thing. And then, um, Christine, like we already mentioned, uh, the organizational structure that will come around innovation um, for utilities. Does that mean separate innovation branches that are not regulated? Um, or does that mean um, innovation through partnerships? Uh, but those are, I guess, two things that I'm definitely uh, going to be on the lookout for for 2018. Well, like I said earlier, I think 2018 is going to be um, going to be a year for for introspection on the ramifications of new technologies. But I also think that 2018 is going to be a year where energy independence becomes an even bigger conversation point in energy with people, um, you know, self-generating with solar panels or people unplugging from the grid or uh, even larger scale, like like this article that I'm hypothetically writing about uh, about a native tribe in in my neck of the woods that's starting their own utility to supply to them so, to supply to themselves so that they can more easily so that they can more easily you know regulate and monitor it. So I think uh, I think 2018 is going to be a big year for tackling the importance of of customers uh, gaining more independence and more say in how they consume energy. I mean, I know that's already a big talking point, but I think it's it's going to become more of a front and center issue in 2018, especially as we're, again, thinking about the ramifications of technology, this being a big one of them. Yeah, I definitely think we're going to see that greater participation um, from from a lot of different parties. I mean, we've been doing a lot of research in the, the latter part of this year, starting to focus on you know, more commercial and industrial customers, what are their perspectives, how are they approaching energy, as as well as residential customers. Um, and we're also starting to see a lot of, you know, facilities, so universities, hospitals, um, you know, large organizations like that, really starting to say, okay, well, you know, how are we going to manage our energy? And, you know, what does our distributed energy plan look like? Um, so definitely could see a lot of that happening in 20, 2018. I mean, it's been building momentum for for a while now, but I think it's finally starting to come to fruition where, where people are really, you know, starting to take action. Yeah, Christine, um, that reminds me of, uh, or w- one thing that's going to help drive that, I think, is um, PEER, which is launched by USGBC the performance, mm-hmm. excellence, and electricity renewal. So yeah, I, I think um, that's just one part to add to this conversation as as a driver. Yeah, I mean, just being able to measure the impact of your projects and you know what they're doing. I mean, there really hasn't been a standard like that out there. Um, so I think that's, that's definitely a, a big way, not only for people to measure the impacts they're having, but also to give people a framework and an idea of of how to move forward with some of these efforts. I mean, I think a lot of times it's just been, you know, this one one organization. You know, they they need to have backup power, so they put some in. Um, and I think, you know, a thing like peer will really encourage people to, 
you know, start to to put a little bit more methodology around it and and really start to compare themselves with their with their peers in the industry and, and what they're doing. With their peers. I see what you did there, Christine. <laughs> Wasn't that clever? It was Super so clever. clever. Yeah. That was good. Like Christine said, uh, there are, you know, lots of lots of people out there who are energy professionals, who have ideas, who have who have ideas and who are also seeing different trends in the energy industry. So we'd love to hear from you. So please hit us up on social media at DY Lockwood, at uh, HC Richards, I think it is, and at Aaron Hardick. Or if you've got a longer story to tell, just send me an email, dylan.lockwood at zprime.com. We should probably go. This is this has been this has been something of a train wreck, but there's a good podcast nestled in here, and I'll find it in the editing room. Um, but it's always a pleasure to it's always a pleasure to talk to you, ladies. Uh, it's uh, good to talk to you, Christine. It was it was great to chat with you as well, Dylan. And Aaron, thanks for chatting. One thing I did want to say um, is Christine will actually be here in Austin uh, this week because we will be attending Time Machine, um, the event by Spark Cognition that uh, we actually talked about a little bit when Amir was on the podcast. So uh, that's, I I believe, Wednesday and Thursday of this week. So um, follow Christine and I on Twitter, and then I'm I'm sure you'll also be uh, live tweeting the event. But that's that's what I'll be up to this week. And uh, as usual, it was it was a pleasure. to to be here and record this week's episode. I'm not going to Time Warp, so I won't be live tweeting it. Time Machine. Time Machine. I said Time Warp, didn't I? Yeah. Let's do the Time Warp again. Anyway, uh, yep, we're also going to be at Distributech in January. Uh, I think the next podcast comes out before then, so we'll have a reminder then, but if it doesn't, we're going to be at Distributech in January. So you can feel free to come say hi to us there. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. Like I said earlier, ETS18 is coming up. You can register for it at ets18.co. That's ets18.co. You can find more of our research and articles at etsinsights.com. Uh, my name is Dylan. Remember, we're going to be off during Christmas week, so there won't be a podcast then. So we'll see you in January, and we wish you all happy holidays and a happy new year. Bye.